You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your co-host, James Rapine. I don't think I've told you for a while, so if you're new to the show and you don't already follow us on Twitter, at Jake underscore NFL, at James Rapine, and at Lockdown Bengals. And that's especially pertinent today because today we do our Lockdown Bengals weekend mailbag. We take your questions. We post a thread on the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account that you reply to. We go through those replies, we grab some questions, we answer our favorite questions every single week. At least every week we have time. Sometimes things come up. Sometimes we can't fit in a mailbag because there's too much news. Not one of those weeks, of course, here, late in January at this point. But we did get one piece of big news today, James, so I'm going to jump the line and I'm going to ask the first question of the mailbag. The helmets are staying, but the rest of that uniform could be changing. We don't know the degree of the changes. Coming in spring 2021, according to Bengals Social, new uniforms in Joe Burrow's second year in Cincinnati. Jake, new uniforms. We were talking about this. Heck, when when did I come back to Locked On Bengals? Last April or last May? We were talking about uniforms and it being a need and how the Bengals needed to file with the NFL ahead of time. Well, it sounds like they did it. We had heard little chirps, I would call them chirps, rumors, whatever you want to say about new uniforms, and they, uh, they're they coming. I- I'm pumped. I'm excited, and uh, I don't know exactly what you're looking for, but the fact that they announced it the way they did, I think this is more than just a tweak. I think this is a, uh, a uniform overhaul, and uh, I love it because I, I think it-, it needs to be done, and I'm really, really excited to see what they do. Here's what I'm looking for, James. I'm looking for the jerseys to look better on fans. I was talking about this before we started recording, and then I said, shut up, James. we got to start recording. These are good rants. The people should hear them. And (laughs) jerseys are just generally too big, right? Like if I put on a jersey, I'm a six-foot human being. I'm, I'm relatively skinny. I don't have the built bar arms that James has. But if I put on a jersey or if James puts on a jersey, it doesn't matter which of us does it. It's gonna It's going to be huge, right? And Mm -hmm. so the biggest problem with football jerseys generally is that they're cut too big for the average non 300 pound human being that out of the way though, the orange shoulders on the white jerseys look pretty bad they look fine on the players. I think for the most part, and and generally a lot of my complaints about the jerseys when they're that tight elastic material that the players wear on Sundays, when they're over football pads, they, they actually look pretty okay. They, they need a visual update for sure. But the problem is they start to look like an eyesore on the average person with the white side panels and the orange shoulders on the white shirts. Those are the two, the two biggest issues is just how they did the shoulders and the white side panels on the black and on the orange jerseys. So that's what I'm looking to, to see change. And the other thing, James, that I think we'll see, and this is speculation, this is an educated guess. Every time in my memory... They've done a major uniform overhaul. There's also been a new logo. And somebody tweeted at me today. I wish I could remember who it was. I think it was Milo. He said that the Bengals had a job posting not too long ago for somebody in graphic design to specialize in a logo. So I think we could get a new logo with these new jerseys. And, and that would be pretty cool too. bring back some iteration of the leaping tiger. Get the tiger 
in, in some way, shape or form back into things because tigers are cool. And, and you know, I like tigers. I, I think it, it, it the, the key word for this whole thing. Simplicity. Yep. It, it, it just you have the colors. You can make it look damn good. You got the helmets. Everyone loves the helmets. You can make it clean, simple, and, and and just look really damn fresh out there. Not only for the players, because you're right, the sizing's weird and things like that, but for fans as they don the new Bengals 2020 edition uh, uniforms of the 2020s. And, and, and so that's that's the key for me. As far as the Leaping Tiger, I'm with you. I think they should just bring it back as something that they – uh, that they sell. A lot of people like it. Put it in the middle of the field. That's fine. Um, but you can also have a you can make that the secondary logo and have a, a first logo that's different. I mean, there's there's ways they can do that. But I'm all about the new. I don't just want the 97 through 2003 uniforms where the Bengals won eight games in in uh, 03 and in seven games in 97. And other than that, they were just so so bad and unwatchable. I want a clean fresh look and you can take some of those concepts because i know a lot of people like those jerseys because they were simple and to the point and i like some of the the design there but take that modernize it and just make it sleek clean and fresh because honestly that kind of fits the joe burrow personality him rolling up the pbs and those custom suits that he's had that he had made in 2020 i'm sure that's going to happen again next year sleek clean fresh that could really set the stage and set the tone for a, a new era of Bengals football. And it does matter. Some are going to be like, oh, uniforms don't matter. Hell yes, they matter. You look good, you play good, you feel good. And that's uh, maybe not in that order, but it certainly matters. Dress for the job you want, right? That's why I'm wearing a suit right now. Yeah. A sweatsuit, perhaps? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast in a suit. I'm wearing a hoodie and uh, in some sweats. That That is accurate. Yeah, there you go. So on the topic of the helmet, really quick before we get into our questions, because you just gave me a great segue into one of our questions. Mo Egger did a poll today. Do you like the Bengals helmet? 75% of his 2,000 respondents, yes, we like the Cincinnati Bengals helmet. So the helmet not changing, I think it could stand for some slight minor tweaks, but I have no complaints about the helmet. It's totally fine. The Bengal stripes are good. But you talk about simplicity, James. Think about the Bengals' most popular uniform, and it's their new color rush, the white, the Siberian tiger, the the uh, maybe not Siberian tiger. Maybe that's the wrong word. Whatever. The white tiger. That's their most popular look, and it's because it's white and black and simple. And I'm all about the mono colors. I don't mind a little bit of flair if it's subtle. But we, we can't do the big blocky, you know, orange shoulder thing again. And we can't do the blocky white side panels. It just, it's too much. There's too much going on there. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. I, I actually have a lot of faith that these are going to be pretty cool. Uh, just with the direction they've been going in social lately. So I'm looking forward to it. What do you think of some of the concepts out there? You don't need need to name specific ones, but... I think a lot of the mock-ups are pretty damn good. Like most of them, in my eyes, are upgrades. Most of them. Yeah, I think what, what people need to be careful with, and the only criticism I have of some of the mock-ups is the stripes. I, I think that the stripes are, are going to be like a pretty key part to getting it right because that's the part that you can overcomplicate. 
but I, there, there are a lot out there that I like. I agree with that. There's some monocolor stuff out there. I like, I mean, we've been talking about your jerseys. You said since you joined the podcast, I mean, this has been going on since Joe and I took over after you left the first time oh, people have been asking even before. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember talking about them at, at some points because, because it's been an issue. I mean, hell they've had these for a long time and they probably downgraded. It's fair to say, uh, over the years as they've tweaked them. I feel like, I feel like once a week we, somebody tags the locked on Bengals Twitter account and like, Hey, here's my Jersey mock-up for this week. I feel like it's <laughs> been once a week for like the last two years. We have a lot of questions to get to in the mailbag. We'll start taking your questions coming up next. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring. Launched exclusively on January 18th, at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launched on January 18th, and you can check it out exclusively at BlueNile.com. We talk about it all the time here on Locked on Bengals. The number one protein bar on the planet is Built Bar. You're working on that quarantine bod. I get it. It's cold out. It's tough to work out. You're probably suffering through it, getting through it, but you also got to get the macros right. You got to get the diet right. Built Bar can help you do that with 18 amazing flavors, every single one of their bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite, this mint brownie delight that Jake can see me holding right now, just 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, only four grams of fat. So let Built Bar help you get those abs for summer 2021 as you're putting on those new designed Bengals jerseys. Check them out right now, builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, James, let's get into this locked on Bengals mailbag. We've got a question from a regular, a frequent listener, a great promoter, and that's the Bengalorian. He also asked one other question that another listener also asked. We, we, we kind of double dip on Bengalorian this week. And you mentioned earlier Joe Burrow in those suits and the the classy simplicity of those suits. The Bengalorian's question this week, he has a couple. One of them somebody else asked, so we'll, we'll lump that one in with the other. But his unique question this week is compare the following players, James, to a mixed drink that fits them best. All right? Ooh, a mixed yeah. drink for the following players. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, and Logan Wilson. So I, I don't know if I've got one for all these guys, but I do have one in mind, like immediately coming to mind for Joe Burrow and Sam Hubbard. What do you got for Joe Burrow? Well, Burrow brought the energy, right? He excited an entire fan base more so as, as a rookie than Carson Palmer did, obviously, than Chad Johnson did, even though Chad's one of the greatest, if not the greatest wide receiver in Bengals history. Joe Burrow is Red Bull Vodka. You ever had a Red Bull vodka and it gives you the energy if you need it. And that's exactly what he is while you're in the club dancing uh, to whatever the hell you're dancing to. Maybe number one draft pick by Cal Scrubby. So that's uh, that's who I got. I got Joe Burrow, Red Bull vodka. You know, it's funny because for me, I went Red Bull vodka for Hubbard. So I went with a drink that I think represents their personality more than like the, the effect they had on others. So I can see where you're coming from. But for me, Sam Hubbard was the the energizer bunny of this list. 
Although Joe Mixon, you can make a very good argument for that as well. But I went Red Bull Vodka for Sam Hubbard. For Joe Burrow, I've got a... I was actually I was actually not sure which way to go with this because because I went with Joe being like the cool level consistent and like you know you think of that cigar in his mouth like that that picture of of you know classic masculinity classic masculine class <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah like old school style and so I'm thinking it's either like like a a, a scotch which I guess isn't a mixed drink. Or or a martini, so I, I my my first thought was a martini for Joe Burrow. <laughs> I could see it. I could certainly see, uh, you know, the Scotch neat uh, in a suit as mm-hmm. he, you know, a, a, after the the Bengals have won the Super Bowl. I could yeah. so totally see that. Yeah. So so you mentioned Joe Mixon. Let's go from one Joe to another. Mixon, he's all over the place. And I don't know about you, but if I throw back, you know, three or four Long Islands because they got five shots in them, <laughs> I'm all over the place. So Joe Mixon, he's a Long Island. I love that. That, that, <laughs> that one might be perfect. Um, so I, when I think Joe Mixon, I'm thinking of bombs, like like a cherry bomb or, or something like that, you know, <laughs> like so, yeah. something like fun and, and energetic and kind of crazy. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of bombs with, with Joe Mixon. So I, I'm going to say, uh, let's, let's say cherry bomb. I don't know. I don't, I'm, it's been a long time since I drank mixed drinks or like went out to a club or a bar and had a drink. So that might be the wrong to, choice, but I would love to, but I can't right now, obviously. Ugh. So, so the next one is Tyler Boyd and this one, I mean, you could go a lot of ways with Tyler Boyd and and I don't really have a good answer. So I'm curious to see what you've got. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, he's a smooth route runner. He's calm, cool, collected. So you got to go with a smooth drink. And I I don't even know, heck half of our listeners might not have had one of these, but a Jameson and ginger ale is the way to go. Uh, Tyler Boyd, smooth, consistent. You know what you're getting. You can go to any bar really and order a Jameson and ginger ale and you know what it's going to be. So that's what I got for Tyler Boyd. It's a pretty good drink, by the way. Pretty tasty. Yeah, I, I like whiskey ginger ales. I won't I won't argue with you on that one. I don't really have another way you could go with it. Although I will say he does have a bit of a fiery personality. Like he, he does have a lot of energy to him as a player, very consistent. And that's a good drink for for I think what he brings in term in terms of like consistency. I just wish there was something a little spicier about it, you know? Maybe an old fashioned. No, maybe that's better for Joe Burrow. Let's go, Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, the leader of the defense, the playmaker of the defense. What's your playmaker mixed drink, James? Well, you just said it, but you, you said it for the wrong guy. Jesse Bates is a throwback. He's calm, he's smooth, he's confident. You can see that the confidence oozing from him, but he's not going to talk a lot. He is an old fashioned. That's exactly what my guy is. You know, he's going to make plays, he's exciting. But he's steady, consistent, and, and and calm and cool, collected. So Jesse Bates, I got an old fashioned for him. Yeah. All right. I'm down with it. Earlier I said Sam Hubbard was my vodka Red Bull. What do you got for Sam? Jack and Coke. Jack and Coke. I, I think he's <laughs> he's steady. He's not a well, by the way, I love Jack. I love all these drinks. So uh you know, I'll drink any of them if someone wants to throw me one. But uh I think that Sam is you know what you're getting with him, high motor. You're right, a guy with energy. My man can throw back a bunch of Jack and Cokes. Collars up. 
When I yeah, that's exactly what I think of when I think of Jack and Coke. I'm thinking of the frat bro, and and you know you can see that with Sam Hubbard, right? Uh, next one's Logan Wilson. I don't know a whole lot about Logan Wilson. He was injured to finish the year. He was a solid but older rookie linebacker. I don't really have a sense for his his flavor yet, James. So for me, I I say vodka water for Logan Wilson. It'll get the job done. And it'll hydrate you, but uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna taste like anything. He's a tough read. He's a tough read. I mean, part of it's you know I'm not being in the locker room, haven't met him in person, and only zooms and stuff. But you know he's quiet, but he does seem professional. I'm gonna go out there with this one. This one was kind of a wild card. Moscow Mule, little ginger beer esque. I, I could see him going that way with a nice mug here, a little copper mug. I could see that. So I got a little Moscow Mule action for Logan Wilson. I forgot about Moscow Mules when, when I was thinking about this earlier. And I think that fits Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates pretty well because it's cold, man. When you hold that copper mug, it's cold. <laughs> and, and Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates, man, those dudes are cold. All right, we got some some football questions here as well to get to. And the most important question is about kicker. Kyle Bavis at Bavis Kyle on Twitter and the Bengalorian both asked special teams question. Do you believe the Bengals will sign or draft a kicker? And do you have any draft targets for kicker this year? Cause I'll tell you what, James, I'm not there yet. I have not gotten to the specialists in this year's draft class. So will they address the position or is it Austin cyber? Because I don't think Randy Bullock is coming back. Well, they better bring in somebody. <laughs> well, let's start there. Of course, there needs to be competition. You can't just hand Austin Seibert the job. He is under contract on a rookie deal because they basically picked up where the Browns left off after the Browns uh, released him just a year after drafting him. So whether it's drafting a, a kicker in the, the later rounds, they have two seventh-round picks, one from that Carlos Dunlap trade, a couple names, and I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about these kickers because I don't. But Quinn Norton out of Michigan uh, is one that's considered a, one of the higher end kickers. Evan McPherson out of Florida. So those are two guys that could potentially be drafted. And there aren't many free agent kickers. Jake just looked up a, a little bit, just a quick Google search. Young Hoku's probably the best kicker out of Atlanta. If you had him on your fantasy team, he lit it up in the, the middle weeks, like weeks 8 to like 12, 13 this year. So he's a free agent. Um, but you do wonder how kicking in a dome versus kicking outside is going to be to him because he's bounced around the league a little bit. But regardless, they got to bring in some competition. And I don't think it should be Randy Bullock. I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to try to find that kicker of the future, someone who can consistently kick beyond 50 yards and still be consistent you know, from 49 yards to, to 30 yards because that's where Randy Bullock did thrive. He was pretty good in those areas. There are a pair of free agents James that stand out to me as I look at the list and the first one is far and away I think the best available free agent kicker that's Cairo Santos he made 36 of his 37 point after tries this year he made 30 of his 32 field goals he was 9 of 10 on 40 to 49 yard field goals he was 2 of 3 on 50 plus yard field goals so not necessarily you know having a ton of opportunities kicking from 50 plus Relatively young, has been in the league for a while, just had his best year with Chicago. And with Chicago's history of kicking issues, it wouldn't shock me at all if they try to keep him. And Daniel Carlson in Las Vegas, 45 of 47 on point afters, 33 of 35 on field goal attempts, was 4 of 4 from 50 plus. 
but just three of five from 40 to 49. So not a ton, again, not a ton of long kicks on the resume for him, but he did make all four tries he had from 50 plus. So there's a couple kicker names you could look at that I think will be top of market free agent kickers in 2021. Coming up next, we're way behind James, but we'll try to get to a few more questions for this episode of the Locked On Bengals Weekend Mailbag. Championship Sunday is almost here. It is time. If you've been sitting on your hands thinking about the money you could have made all football season, now is the time to take action to go to betonline.ag, the one place that has you covered, the one place we trust to make money. That's all you got to do. Go to betonline.ag. You can wager on both championship games. Maybe you want to wager on coaching props, who the next head coach of the Houston Texans is going to be, who the next quarterback is going to be of the Indianapolis Colts. You can do all of those things in one spot, betonline.ag. And the best part is with the promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money just for listening to Locked on Bengals. So go there now, betonline.ag. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The weekend mailbag rolls on, and Jake Tip the Bengals has a question specifically for you. He asked, What changed now that you're doing a who day and giving a who day at the end of each episode? Well, this was a suggestion from a listener at the beginning of the season. Uh, apparently, just telling people to have a good day wasn't good enough. So they wanted a catchier outro. And, and I don't know how many people even listen all the way to the end of the episode. But for those that listen throughout the season, you would have noticed that when things started to get bad, the who day went away. And then they won a couple of games and the who day came back. And and then, you know, the Ravens game didn't go so well. But here's my here's my perspective on on the who day, because you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that the woo has to be earned. For example, they got one today for announcing new uniforms from James. That was earned. And the who day also, to some extent, has to be earned. It's a much lower bar. You just can't be terrible. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a proclamation of pride and joy for Bengals fans. And seeing as I am still a Bengals fan, I know I'm a bit detached sometimes. And I, I, I try to be as analytical as possible. For me, when things are going really poorly, there's nothing to really celebrate. It's celebratory. And so now that we're in the off season, there's optimism again, right? The, the 2020 season is, is behind us. We're looking forward for better or for worse. The things that have happened have happened. And so with the chance to turn things around to make the right moves this off season, the optimism is back, right? They've got a chance to right the ship. We like some of the coaching hires they've made. And so the who day continues. If Jim Turner was still offensive line coach, I am not a hundred percent certain that the who day would be <laughs> part of the outros right now. I'll just say that our next question comes from commissioner Yaz. After a long hiatus, Yaz is back in the mailbag. Welcome back. Yaz James, would you rather have 11 minutes with Mike Brown or tickets to every Bengals game for a whole season. And and for the sake of this question, <laughs> I, I guess pretend you're not a, a a journalist who gets into every game for free. And to make it even more competitive, let's say you got free travel to the road games too. So you get to go to Ooh. every game for free. You have a game to go to every Sunday. You get to go down to Tampa next year. 
get to see your favorite quarterback play against your, you know, your next favorite quarterback, I hope, in Joe Burrow. And <laughs> the other side of that, you get 11 minutes, 11 minutes in heaven, 11 minutes in Mike Brown's office to, I, I guess, let's say this is a one-on-one conversation with Mike Brown. This is easy. And I would love to travel to every road game. I would love that. Heck, I would love hey, – you could make it even tougher and say, oh, I could sit in Joe Burrow's custom suite and get to talk to Jimmy Burrow and, and break down the game. And it still doesn't matter because I'm going 11 minutes with Mike Brown. I need to pick his mind. I need to ask him questions. And it's only 11 minutes. That's the tough part because I, I, I could go for about 11 hours on things. And not all mean stuff, by the way. Just in general, want to talk to him, pick his – his football brain about things because he he's seen so much and learned so much from his dad. And, oh man, I mean, it would be great. So I'll, I'll take the 11 minutes though. Give me the 11 minutes with Mike Brown. What about you, Jake? Yeah, I think that it would be really interesting to have a, a conversation with Mike Brown, but I don't think 11 minutes is enough time. That's, that's my, that's my thing. It's just not enough time. I've talked to Mike Brown before when I was down in Paul Brown stadium, I think everyone's heard me talk about this when we were there for the blogger day. Uh, I guess this was two years ago. Now I had the chance. We were sitting there waiting for, I think a player to come out and talk to us. And Mike Katie and Paul jr. Were, were walking back, I think to their office after lunch and they stopped and talked with us. And it wasn't a long conversation. It wasn't a one-on-one conversation, but it was a short conversation with Mike Brown. And 11 minutes just isn't enough time. Just isn't enough time for me. If it was, you get three hours with Mike Brown, I would probably take three hours of a conversation with Mike Brown to really understand, assuming, you know, he's going to be open and honest, right. And like actually communicate to really understand, you know, at a more intimate level, I guess, than what we get communicated to us through the media what his philosophies are about team building. I would talk to him about, so why don't you pay offensive guards? You know, why, where's the positional value coming from? And and what is the positional value hierarchy? And and so it'd be some of those kinds of questions that I just, you know, I don't think you would get to in 11 minutes. And so for me, I'll take the tickets and it's, it's just because 11 minutes isn't enough time. And I think it would just leave me wanting. And I agree with you. I think it would have to be a very uh, non-conventional interview where you could cut him off if you realized he wasn't going to give you what you were looking for (laughs) or or give you a good answer. And you would just have to go. So 10 seconds in, if you're like, oh, this is crap, you you say, no, Mike. And then you ask the next one and you just, you know, which would never happen. But uh, yeah, it would uh, it would be interesting. I'll still take the 11 minutes, though. Try to get something good. Yeah, and I get that. I get that. I just, for me, I would want more time. Next question comes from play Zion at point guard. That's a fun one at blitz hydronoid nine. James, if William Jackson stays, why does he stay in Cincinnati? And if he goes, why does he go? If he stays, it's because they offered him the most money and they offered him a, you know, a fair contract. And if he goes, it's because one, the Bengals either didn't value him enough to offer a cornerback one type money. He's probably going to be looking for 14, $15 million per year. I think it's going to be more than what Trey Wayne's got. Uh, or uh, a team's going to just pay and go above and beyond that. I mean, I could see a team getting, you know, just saying, screw it. We're going to pay him 16 million per year just to get him down here. 
same way the Bengals did with Trey Waynes, because I think they pay, overpaid for Trey Waynes. Maybe there's a team that'll overpay for William Jackson to get him to to go to that destination. Yeah, I know I just said that I don't want to dwell on the past too much, but you talk about Trey Waynes. He only has a $16 million cap hit this year. And I am very fearful that the Bengals have chosen to invest their high cornerback contract money in the wrong cornerback. But, you know, they clearly have high hopes for Trey Waynes. I mean, they pay him. They're certainly paying him like, like he should be a CB1, and we'll see if he can be. To me, the way that he stays, the reason he stays is because he's franchise tagged. And the reason he goes is if they don't franchise tag him. I I don't really know that there's another option that I think is terribly realistic. But, hey, maybe you see an extension. If Carl Lawson makes it very clear he's he's not going to stay, that's the world where you see them maybe spend that money on William Jackson instead. And, And that's maybe, I guess, the other scenario in which he stays. The last question of the mailbag comes from Kevin Keefe Jr. Jake, he asks, do you think the weight of what GMs were saying at the beginning of the year in regards to players opting out or playing will be true? For instance, Slater from Northwestern didn't play. He opted out. Christian Darisol did. If they're equally graded on the Bengals draft board, do you think they'll give the nod to Darisol? I, I think these are probably not the best example players. I don't think they'll be equally graded. I think that the Bengals might actually, and we'll we'll have to see what Slater measures at. That's going to be big for him. The Bengals might not even see Slater as a guard or as a tackle. Sorry, I think they might see him as a guard depending on his measurables. So we'll have to see there. Jonah Williams is on the smaller side for tackles. And I, I do think that Slater can play tackle in the NFL. Um I just don't know if they want to go with two undersized tackles. So so maybe not the, the apples to apples comparison here. But if you did have equal grades on players, then I do think you'll see the NFL prefer the guy that played this year. All else equal, they're going to prefer the guy that they have more recent tape on. You saw that in Mike Potts interview. He talked with, the, uh, with uh, Jeff Hobson for Bengals.com. You saw them talking about that a little bit. I think that the inherent biases of humanity and of scouts will lead them to prefer the players that they've seen more recently. That's totally fair. And I think that's, it's realistic. I also think that it's extremely unlikely that there are going to be players that there are are really teams that run into this issue much like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, right? Let's just use that. Well, there's a big age difference. So that alone changes things. It isn't equal ground. So it's real easy to say, Oh, well this guy's one, this guy's two, maybe they're close on the board. But I think age, production, uh, times in, in the 40, shuttle, all, three cone, all of those things, athletic profile, all of those things will end up getting in the, the way of the potential dilemma. Oh, this guy played and this guy didn't. But I, I agree if if there is that dilemma, that could be the deciding factor because the more film, the more recent film, it just matters. And the ultimate decider as much as age, time, athleticism, all those things, film is the the main thing that these evaluators look at and that they grade off of. All the other things are factors, obviously, and big ones. But uh, the more recent film, the more film you have, uh, the better teams are going to feel about drafting you. And I think for the Bengals specifically, the other factors, the athletic testing, the measurables, the production metrics, those are more of thresholds that you have to cross for them. And then you get into the tape to differentiate. 
But I think where you will see this being more of a difference is when you start to get into the later rounds, the the late day two, the early day three, the late day three. I think that's where you'll see, you know, the opt outs that there were some questions that they had to answer in one more year where they had solid but not spectacular tape and they, they decided to opt out and, and they're not going to go back because now they're too old. That's where you're going to see some questions like Kerry Vincent from from LSU, right? The cornerback, he was really good as a freshman. He kind of took a bit of a step back as a sophomore, could have done a lot as a junior to solidify his draft status. And I, I don't know if he came out or if he didn't come out, but I, I think for, for those kinds of players, that's where you're going to see potentially an impact where there's a lot more projection there now because you don't know how they develop. The guys that are still developing physically, You don't know how they've developed into their growing bodies, maturing bodies. You don't know how that's translated to the football field. So those are going to be hard. That's probably going to require a lot of scrutiny and projection in terms of, you know, pro day workouts, whatever kind of combine we get, whatever kind of tape these guys send to teams. And so that's what's going to be really interesting this year. Last year, I thought we didn't know anything going into the draft, and it actually went pretty close to what we expected after all. And this year, I think we know, you know, even less. So going to be a very interesting draft season for sure. And we're going to have to see what they end up doing for the combine and for pro days and what kind of tape these prospects put together. Because last year, you might remember, these guys were putting together their own little demo reels and sending them to teams in lieu of personal workouts that they didn't get to have. So going to be an interesting year, going to be an interesting year for the draft. Our next episode is most likely Mock Draft Monday. Speaking of the draft, that's coming your way after this weekend. Enjoy the conference championships. And until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.